Hello everyone, welcome to a new episode of the Sunrise on the Inside podcast, a space where we share inspiring interviews and stories from thoughtful leaders in business, health and wellness, entrepreneurship and sports. Here we talk about tools, habits, routines and tactics they use that help them feel calm, revived and rebalanced whenever they face challenges in life. I'm your host, Nico Estrella, a serial entrepreneur, former professional soccer player and co-founder of WACU. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Sunrise on the Inside podcast. My guest today is Lauren Abda, the founder and CEO of Branchwood, the largest community of food entrepreneurs and startups in New England and co-founder at Branch Venture Group, an angel network for investment in early stage food startups. Lauren has a master's in food policy and applied nutrition from the Tots Friedman School of Nutrition Science and Policy and a Bachelor of Science degree in Nutrition and Food Science from the University of Vermont. Lauren has been very influential in our journey as a company with Waku, as Branch Venture Group was the first angel investment group that believed in our team and idea back in 2018, and they became investors of Waku. In today's episode, we talk about her story on how she started Branchwood. She also shares tips on how we can build a network and relationships as an introvert person and how to make hard decisions by looking at the worst case scenario face to face. Hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, everyone. I am super excited for this podcast episode. We have a very good friend of, of us, of Waku, one of, uh, probably one of the most influential persons that we've met in, the, in, in our journey as Waku is Lauren Nauda. Uh, welcome, Lauren, to the show. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here and congratulations on launching this exciting podcast. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's a, it's a project that we've been wanting to do for a while. I personally really enjoy always talking with, with uh, amazing people as you. So this is just like, for me, it's like an excuse to, to be able to talk with, with great people. So thank you so much for taking the, the interview. So, Lauren, um, to start, I think um, I would love to start talking a little bit about uh, your, I, I would say, I would call like fascination for food. Um, I follow you on, on social media, I follow you on Instagram, and I love always the, the pictures that you upload about just like the food you're eating or the restaurants you're, you're going or the the things that you're cooking and it's always amazing amazing food i think i i, I would call you a, a foodie uh, so uh, i wanted to ask you have you been always like super into into food like personally yeah it's always been an area of interest for me uh, personally i come from a family um, that has strong food roots. My dad is Lebanese. Uh, and so growing up, our food was always a little bit different from <laughs> the average American meal. We would have, you know, hummus and baba ganoush and tabbouleh and kibbe and all of these really, you know, kind of unique um, uh, dishes that were, you know, native to kind of the Lebanese community. And so I think it always stood out to me as just a unique part of, of who I am as a person. And, um, I, uh, I really gravitated towards that, um, towards that kind of aspect of my family. Um, growing up as well, my mom was really interested in food. She, you know, 
was very interested in natural health and um, natural types of food and organic food and um, the ability to treat disease with plant-based diet and the impact that um, food can have on our, our bodies and our health and our life. And so through her influence and through my dad's influence, I think food has always been just a, a huge area of interest, curiosity, um, and opportunity for me that uh, I've now transitioned into my professional life and, um, and prior to that, my formal education. So yes, big foodie um, and, uh, and excited to be in this industry as well. I think it's one of the best industries to build a career in. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And um, I was going to ask you, do you have any specific, like, like a favorite type of cuisine or it's too much uh, of a hard pick? <laughs> well, I think the one that's probably the most heartwarming um, and nostalgic for me is Lebanese cuisine because I grew up with it. But I don't know if I had to say today, I, I've really loved this like explosion of Mexican cuisine and tacos and margaritas. And it seems to be the the hospitality focus of the day. And so I've been spending a lot of time exploring that cuisine and um, feel like there's just it's endless in terms of, you know, what's possible, um, and, uh, and the unique types of ingredients and all of that. So, yeah, I think that that's right now, one of the most interesting cuisines to me. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I really like Mexican food uh, here in, in Boston. Uh, I found like a couple of good restaurants, but recently I visited California and the food, the Mexican food there in California was out of this world. It was just like amazing, amazing, amazing food. Yeah, the concentration of um, uh, community there um, is much larger than I think what we have in Boston. Um, here, there are certainly, you know, some some great restaurants. I've spent a, a large part of this year actually down in Florida and the cuisine in Fort Lauderdale, Miami um, was just delicious and i think that's probably what inspired my current interest in it but um but yeah it just seems like such bright flavors really fresh food um traditionally it is a very healthy um uh kind of cuisine and so um it's been really fun just exploring that and and becoming more familiar with all of those uh, like i said ingredients yeah no i agree so okay and then we're gonna uh, um, talk a little bit more uh, after about like the story of how you uh, started branch food. I would love to learn a little bit more about the, that story. Uh, but first, I wanted to ask you. So, uh, you come from from a family, as you as you said, like uh, your mom, your dad. Like food was super important in your in your life whenever you were growing up. Um, did you always know that you wanted to build your career in the food industry? Uh, like whenever you went to college, you already knew that it was something that you wanted to to do, or when when did you realize that you wanted to uh, pursue that as a career and and be part of the of the food industry? Yeah, it's a good question, and I don't think I to answer it in a very short, quick way. No, I don't think I always knew that I wanted to be in the food industry, but I think over time. Uh, my interests have kind of landed me here. And so, um, you know, interestingly, my formal education is actually in um, science, um, food policy, um, regulation. I ended up doing some work in international trade, 
um, working at the World Trade Organization after I graduated from grad school. And, you know, kind of looked at these different areas of, um, uh, you know, kind of the, the private sector, really, um, but realized that I think my interest in food um, was ultimately what was driving that just kind of curiosity in science, in policy, in international trade. And so, um, you know, kind of learned all of those different areas um, of food. And, uh, you know, I think today, where I've landed in terms of working with startups and innovators and people that are trying to improve the industry um, was a result of realizing across those different areas that there's so much opportunity in food. Um, there's so much opportunity to kind of convert our food system to be one that's more sustainable, environmentally friendly, um, healthier for the planet, healthier for people. Uh, but how do we do that? And uh, ultimately, I, I think through other experiences I've had and exposure to startups and entrepreneurship, really felt like that was a powerful um, uh, kind of thing to leverage for change in the industry, positive change in the industry. And so that led me to founding Branch Food and Branch Venture Group and Food Edge and um, the businesses that I run today. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. That's super interesting. And I think... So then I know that you went to Tufts, right? Uh, did you grow up here in, in the Boston area? No. So I'm a Pennsylvania native. Uh, then I went to Vermont for undergrad. And then I moved to Boston for graduate school. And I've been here now for a little over 10 years. I've tried to leave on numerous occasions, but I can't, I can't do it. It won't let me. I just keep like slingshotting back. And, um, and so uh, I feel like a Bostonian today. Um, so I'm, I'm here for the long haul. <laughs> I, I think I, I can, can empathize with that. I also, I'm starting to feel like, like a Bostonian. Yeah. yeah. I've been already three years here and at some point I was thinking of moving to, to New York, mm -hmm. uh, but now I'm just like, I'm super happy here. In, in yeah. It yeah. has a, it has a certain charm and history and community that are kind of hard to leave behind once you've been here. And, uh, a colleague of mine said it once she um, said something once that always stayed with me she was like takes so long to learn how to navigate this small town that the you know need to have to figure out how to navigate new towns is like so scary and so overwhelming that that's why people don't leave Boston <laughs> and it kind of resonated with me I was like yeah you're right learning how to drive around here I still have to put on google maps so, um, but it's a, it's a lovely place, harsh winters, but, um, the summers certainly make up for it. Yeah, no, I totally, I totally agree. And so then when you were graduating from Tufts, what was your inspiration to start Branch Food? Like what, what do you think was like, uh, what generated the idea to, to start this group of, of, uh, of, uh, restaurants and, uh, and the food industry and beverage companies and. Um, and if, if you can also give a little bit of background of, of what is branch food to, to the people that's listening. Yeah. So in terms of our origin story, I think that it has its roots, um, uh, started to take root, I would say, when I was in graduate school. So came to Boston for grad school, um, got my master's in food policy and applied nutrition at Tufts. Uh, you know, really started again to learn kind of what the inefficiencies in the food system are, where there are opportunities for innovation and improvement. Um, at the time, I had actually uh, got an internship with Techstars, the startup accelerator program. 
And um, I don't know why they took me. I was a food policy student. I was not a business student. I had no experience, you know, with early stage companies. But for some reason, they welcomed me in as an intern. And um, that was really my first exposure to uh, startups and entrepreneurship as a a method of change and really felt like that was um, possible for the food industry to start you know, working with companies or, or creating an idea of my own that um, I could work on a problem that I may have discovered that, you know, I, I knew could be a, a really um, a solution for uh, uh, change. And so, um, so became kind of interested in the intersection of um, food policy, entrepreneurship, um, and where they're, you know, started to look around to see where there are opportunities for innovation. Um, after I graduated from grad school, though, I, you know, like every good graduate does, um, put myself on the market and ended up getting a job um, in, uh, with, as I mentioned, with the World Trade Organization, working in international food policy. I was writing reports on food safety development initiatives that were happening in some of the WTO's member countries, which gave me exposure to projects around the world, which was amazing. It was an amazing opportunity. I lived in Switzerland ate way too much chocolate, um, uh, learned all about, you know, agriculture and commodities. Um, but, you know, I think I had this still kind of interest in entrepreneurship and, and innovation. And there wasn't really a startup scene in Geneva at the time, but um, I was, you know, kind of in touch with what was going on here in Boston and kept getting, you know, the newsletters from Bostino and hearing about friends of mine that were starting these interesting companies in different sectors and industries. And, Decided to come back here at the beginning of 2013, um, got a job with a tech company to pay my bills uh, living in the city, and um, ended up starting a meetup group on meetup.com, which was a more popular platform back in the day than it is today. But um, really, it was, you know, I wanted to get a job with a food company. I couldn't really find one that I, I could work with, but I felt like, well, maybe I should just start this networking group. And if I can't, find something, then maybe I'll bring people to me. And through that, I'll, you know, find an opportunity or, you know, start up to work with. And so I started just hosting these drinks meetups at bars around town between Cambridge and Boston. And um, the group and community started to grow. Um, We were hosting, you know, then events in collaboration with other organizations like the MIT Enterprise Forum, General Assembly, um, different, you know, food and ag groups at universities locally. And really just, you know, kind of organically started to, to grow and um, into the, you know, hundreds of people that would uh, attend and um, were part of the group. And um, we kind of hit an inflection point. I was really, you know, tried to stay very connected to what people wanted out of the group. So we were doing these drinks meetups and the networking was helpful. But like, what more did people want? What more did people need? And one of the suggestions was um, a space for people to collaborate. And so at the time, I approached the CIC, the Cambridge Innovation Center, a co-working uh, company that started in Kendall Square back in 1999. And I said, you know, we have this really you know, burgeoning food community. Um, we'd love a space for these people to be able to work and network and collaborate and um, you know, kind of envision helpful businesses that can impact um, the future food positively. And can we have some space to be able to experiment with community growth? And again, I don't know why they did, but they said, sure, we'll give you um, a thousand square feet in our downtown Boston location at 50 Milk Street. And 
and play and see what you can do and see what you can build. And so um, we took up residence there uh, back in 2015 and um, have never left. We're still there. Uh, and, you know, today, uh, fast forward to today, um, Branch Foods' mission is really to forge a globally connected community of innovators that will create the future of food. Um, we work to build products for that community to help facilitate knowledge and connection industry-wide um, for stakeholders that seek to build a better food industry. Um, we have our workspace. We continue to do um, virtual now programming uh, where people can connect and share um, and learn. And then along the way, we also launched uh, uh because we felt like we were identifying not only um, entrepreneurs, but exciting uh, investment opportunities um, whereby we could start capitalizing on some of this activity um, more so than we could at Branch Food. And in collaboration with uh, my partner, Marsha Hooper, uh, founded Branch Venture Group, which is now um, uh, an angel investment network dedicated to investment in food startups across consumer products, food tech, and ag tech. And so I've stayed in the early stage, you know, food space. Um, it's been, you know, kind of a, a really interesting last six years of uh, growing this community and, and building products that help, you know, facilitate connectivity within it. But, um, but the future is bright. And, you know, I think if anything, um, uh, the time is now for, for change and for entrepreneurs and for innovators to really um, uh, pursue their, their business ideas. And Branch Food and Branch Venture Group want to be an integral part of, of helping them see their visions through. I love that story. And I really love how organically it, it started and, and how it, just, it kept evolving. So I have I have a couple of follow-up questions from from that and the first one is so at this point where you were creating all the meetup groups first I think that's such an amazing initiative to just like because I I've experienced that here in Boston it's not that easy to connect with a lot of people mm-hmm. I think it takes a little bit of like work to get into the communities and get into just like get to know more people and whatnot it's it's not that easy. Um, so it's such such an amazing idea that just starting doing those those meetups, um, and I think from knowing you, I think one of your superpowers is to be uh, just like a super connector, just like putting together people and, and, and being great at networking. Um, have you been always uh, like that? Like, have you been always being like good at connecting people, or is it something that you learned how to how to be? I don't think it comes naturally to me, actually. <laughs> um, I, you know, didn't, I, I kind of grew up as a shy child. Um, I didn't, you know, I, I'm don't even now today think of myself as particularly outgoing. I think the extroverted skills I have have been nurtured over time. I think I'm inherently an introvert, but, you know, I think I just, uh, you see a lot of, um, well, first, you see a lot of companies and see a lot of ideas and see things that kind of take shape given the nature of what I do now and and can't help but kind of put those people together with others that I know can help really support their businesses. And I think it's truly that, you know, the, the seed and the, the kernel really of, of branch food is, you know, finding other people that can help support you in, in your goals and in your idea creation and your, um, uh, you know, business development efforts. And I think, yeah, the, the, like I was saying before, just the different products we've, 
created over the years have helped facilitate that. But the spirit really is, you know, community development. Um, it's sharing. It's it's you know um, uh, the spirit of you know uh, knowledge seeking and you know wanting to connect with others that you can collaborate with and and I think that that's such a um, important thing to keep alive and and I've worked really hard over the years to make sure that that's at the core of everything we do at Branch Food and Branch Venture Group. Um, you know. There is no ego here. Um, you know, ask the questions that you need help with. Um, you know, be willing to reach out. Be willing to be wrong. Be willing to ask. You know, the questions. Um, and ultimately, I think you'll end up in a better place as an entrepreneur and and with a stronger business if you're willing to do that. So, for how, what would you recommend to someone that it's like not very outgoing? Because I I know that. Uh, and, and I count myself into this this group. For me, it's also not that easy to go to networking events and just like uh, I, I am not that extroverted, so so it mm -hmm. doesn't come naturally to me. Um, but what do you think uh, can be something that can help you in these in these type of situations? Like how how can you become better at uh, not only networking, I would say, because probably networking can can be a word that can just like be thought as just like network professionally networking, but in general, I think just like it's super useful to be able to know how to build relationships and uh, build your community and uh, in any space you you are in. So, um, what do you think? Uh, It's like a, a good starting point for someone that's more like introverted. Introverted, like what? What would you recommend to do for someone that wants to be better at that? Yeah, it's a good question. I think in reflection of you know how I've just seen communities come together and evolve and people build relationships, I think it really requires two things. Um, first, curiosity. So you have to be curious if you're, if you want to create a connection, <laughs> um, you have to ask questions and, you know, listen and, and learn and, you know, kind of iterate and, and discuss. And I think that that's such a, an important part of understanding someone and, and seeing someone and, and realizing opportunity. I think the next thing is really being a value add without expecting to get anything in return. And I think that that's been probably one of the things that's, you know, been a silver bullet, you know, for me personally, just in business development, I, I try to always lead with what can I give to you and what can I offer you and how can I help you without, you know, keeping track or keeping score or, um, uh, you know, really making sure that I'm getting something in return. Uh, I think this idea of abundance and um, uh, being in the mindset of wanting to give has only contributed to, you know, the growth of, of branch over the years and, um, and, you know, the, the model. And, and I know you're going to ask me a question about what's been challenging about what I've done. Um, I think the model of that has been challenging, but it's sort of like, I, I, I so identify personally with the spirit of that, that. I think the model has come along in the meantime. Um, and I would say that those are the two things I, those are the two pieces of advice I would give anyone that's trying to, um, you know, grow their network or increase their network is, you know, how do you get, get curious and offer value? 
I think that's super valuable. Yeah, I think thank you for for those tips because I I think like personally with my friends and with my family, I tend to be like that. I tend to be like always, how can I help them? Or uh, very interested in like their lives and very curious about them. But sometimes there is this disconnect whenever I feel I go to a networking event, for example. Sometimes I have this uh, idea that these relationships that I am making there are very, can be can be seen like a very superficial or very like, I won't say monetary, but like very... Uh, like transactional. Transactional. Thank you. That was the word that I was looking for. Um, but I do think that uh, on the times that I've been to these events, um, re- like if it doesn't take for you to talk with 30 people in that event. Mm-hmm. Like if you make one or two very valuable new connections, uh, it's super worth it. So I think that the key, the key for that is what you just said. Is like every conversation that you that you start in, in one of these events, really being super genuine and really being super curious with to get to know that other person. I think that's that's a very a very good tip. Thank you for that. For sure. Hey, just a quick pause for a message from Waku, and we will be right back to the interview. We are very excited to let everyone know we've just launched Waku's crowdfunding equity campaign through Republic, a platform that allows anyone to invest in private startups like Waku. Waku is now part of a very exclusive group of highly vetted startups from Republic, and now you can become an investor of Waku starting with investments as small as $100. If you'd like to learn more about why to invest in Waku and why this is such a great investment opportunity, you can go to republic.co forward slash Waku. That's R-E-P-U-B-L-I-C dot C-O forward slash W-A-K-U. We will be thrilled to have you join us in our journey to bring to the world the most refreshing herbal tea with gut health benefits and help to create impact in the livelihoods of hundreds of Ecuadorian farmers. Let's get back to the show. Um, so then a um, uh, follow-up question on, on the story of branch food that I had uh, was, so at these at this points where you were making uh, all these events, uh, because I, I know that uh, you were talking about the, the model and the, and the business model. Um, was there any, any specific thing that made you think, okay, this can be, this can be a business or this can be uh, something more structured than just like meetup events? Uh, was there anything in particular that you, that you can remember that uh, like pushed you through the edge, so to, so to speak? So I think that it wasn't necessarily the opportunity that I saw. I think that it was the necessity to make money to pay my bills. (laughs) So I, you know, prior to being full-time with Branch Food, I, you know, had a number of different jobs and I had like four jobs at one time and I was just kind of, you know, burning the candle at both ends, as they say. But um, I remember I hosted a series of events that uh, we, I was able to get sponsored as well as sell tickets for and it gave me um, the the all of these events um, collectively netted me ten thousand dollars, and that 
combined with like a, a little bit of savings that I had, again, not very much, um, was just enough to kind of quit my jobs and take that first step into, okay, I have, you know, I could subsist on this for a couple of months and really try to build a model and try to build, um, you know, something that was, that would sustain me for longer than just a couple of months. And, um, and so that was really my first, um, you know, kind of step into branch full time. And, uh, and yeah, it, it, you know, was definitely a leap of faith, but, um, allowed me to just, you know, kind of take that leap of faith. Um, from there, you know, it was truly figuring out, you know, what is the model here? How do I make money? How, how does this, you know, business grow? Is this a business? Is this sustainable? And, you know, again, trying to figure out, okay, well, what are the products that we have? What are the needs of the community? How do we um, build something that's not just a one-time payment? You know, how, how do we think about subscription? How do we think about membership? Um, what value can we provide for all of that? So it was really, you know, trying on different futures for size and seeing, you know, what resonated with people, what didn't resonate, um, you know, doing a lot of customer interviews, customer research, and figuring out, what it really was that that resonated and and was value add. And so, yeah, it wasn't quite, you know, that light bulb moment. It was more kind of research and and um needing to figure out how to make money so that I can keep doing this work because I loved doing this work, but um but needed to build a model to be able to sustain and again, not only myself, but like a team of people to to continue doing this work. So, um, yeah, that took some time for sure. <laughs> that's that's amazing, and um, and I I think it can be very scary, like taking that leap of faith and quitting your jobs that you that you have multiple jobs. I didn't know that. Um, were you scared at that moment whenever you were whenever you were quitting everything? Uh, uh, you know, I don't know if it was, I don't know if I was scared. I think I, um, I think I was just more like hopeful and just, but felt like the urgency of needing to figure it out. Right. Like I, I think I knew that I, I knew I wanted to be in this space. I knew there were indicators that I should be in this space. You know, doors were opening, doors weren't closing. Um, I had the event lineup. I had, you know, a little bit of money in my pocket. And I think from there it was just like, okay, I'm going to try this. And I also have, you know, thankfully very supportive people around me that were, you know, encouraging, um, you know, Lauren, if all else fails, you could sleep on my couch for a week, you know, so I had a bit of a safety net um, of, of people that were, um, you know, family and friends that if all else failed, I, you know, I can go nurse my wounds and get back out there and get a job. But yeah, I think it's, you know, I think that at the time I was really, I knew I had a lot of energy for something. I didn't quite know what that was long-term, but I had a little bit of leeway to play around with it and figure out what it was. And, you know, again, that was back in 2015. And so, um, so it's worked out so far. <laughs> it's worked out so far. And I so that leap of, that leap of faith was worth it. <laughs> So for someone that, let's say right now, it's in that same point that you were in 2015, that you kind of like have the idea, we're not that sure about it, and you have to quit your job. And I know that maybe someone that's listening, it's in that point of like, okay, should I go all in? Should I just like commit to this idea? Um, 
how how do you think it's something or what do you think it's something they can do to help them uh, take that that step uh, because I, I think always this first step can feel like the most difficult one because then you, you start to figure out the things as you as you go uh, but for you what do you think uh, was something that helped you and what can you say mm -hmm. to someone that's in the same spot yeah, I think there's a lot of um, power to be gained in looking worst case scenario in the face and figuring out okay what what is the worst case scenario of this you know of this chance of this leap of faith of this thing I want to do, right? Maybe it, it fails and it doesn't work and, you know, you're out how much money that you've spent on it and, you know, you've got to get another job. Maybe worst case scenario is worse than that. Maybe it's not, not as bad as that, but figuring out what that, where that uncertainty and where that concern and where that um, fear lives, I think is helpful to just, you know, write it down, talk about it out loud, you know, find a trusted source that you could just bounce this off of and and look at it and see because oftentimes it's actually not as bad as you think it is. Um, and then I think you go into risk mitigation mode and I think it's like, okay, well, if that's worst case scenario, then how do I reduce the likelihood of those things actually happening? And in this like schema of decision making, how do I make sure that I don't get to that point? And if I do get to that point, like what's my next move? And so just doing some of that, I think, scenario planning or, you know, future proofing, you know, predictions, um, I think has helped me in the past just kind of navigate and, and make decisions and um, having a plan, I think, is a lot more helpful um, than just, you know, kind of going at it you know, full throttle with hopes and dreams and not actually having those, um, you know, plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D. Um, I think you always have to have a sense of what those are. And ultimately, I think that that helps you take that then first step. Um, uh, we don't know, of course, what will happen in the future. But and the best thing we can do is use the information at hand to kind of make that first move. And but then that second move, you'll, you'll have more information and, you know, it, it will continue to build and things will continue to change and evolve over time. And so. Yeah, I think um, scenario planning and, and, and risk mitigation um, and looking, you know, that worst case scenario in the face are, are the best ways to um, kind of move forward. I love that. Yeah, no, I totally agree because I think also for me was was a very similar thing. Uh, I saw at some point like uh, doing a fear setting exercise and really like listing what are the things that you are scared of whenever you are in, in, a, in a moment like this. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I, I really agree with everything that you that you just said, and and it's true. It's like a lot of times it's just like the worst case scenario. It's something that's totally doable. Like for example, for in my case, whenever we were uh, thinking in starting Waku, I I had another job back there in Ecuador, and it was like a very good paying job. Uh, I was living super comfortable in Ecuador. You like with with a good salary, you can have a a very uh, a very comfortable way of living um so it was a bit scary at the beginning just like to come to a new city a new country where i didn't know a lot of people i just knew juan that he was here uh, my business partner he was he was here in boston uh, but other than him i didn't know anyone here in boston i 
my English was not as great as, as it is right now. It, 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 I knew how to speak, but not like as fluently. Um, so it was scary uh, at the beginning. So yeah, like doing this worst case scenario was like, okay, what's the worst thing that can happen in that in that case? It was like, okay, but like the idea never takes off. And I just uh, visited Boston and I just like got to know a new city and hopefully made some new friends. And worst case scenario, just like have this amazing experience. Um, and I knew, like fortunately as well, uh, I knew that I had like a like, kind of like a safety net back there in Ecuador that I, mm. I knew that like worst case scenario for me was just like moving back with my parents for a little bit and finding another job and I, I like built my network enough back there in Ecuador that I knew that uh, maybe it was going to take a little bit longer to find a find a new job but I knew it was not going to be impossible it was just like I was not going to die basically it's just like worst case scenario just like go back home and, and, and yeah. that's it so so yeah, I really, I really love that. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that, Lauren. Yeah, it takes, you know, a lot of courage, a lot of bravery, a lot of um, humility to make moves like that and to do career changes and, you know, to try something new. But, you know, we only have one life. And so you got to live it. And if you're not, if you're bored, like, get out there, do something else, do something new, do something exciting. Um, there's a lot of people out there that want to help you do whatever you want to do. Yeah, I think that's a great point that you just said, Lauren. Uh, I when whenever I was coming here to Boston, because it's like you 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 never know, like um, until you really leave the thing, you really you can't know how is it gonna be like. Um, and I don't know why I had like this idea that Boston was gonna be a very hard city to live in. I, I just like talked with maybe a couple of friends that they told me like their experiences here and they were like not not as great. Um, mm-hmm. And I think I came with this kind of like, I, I'm not sure if it's like like scared idea or like, uh, I, I think I had a lot of like, maybe it can be said like an imposter syndrome or like whenever I arrived, I thought like, like people here in Boston, like you meet so much amazing people, super smart people everywhere you go. Um, and I didn't have like a lot of... Uh, stamps or a lot of like titles I didn't go to grad school here in Mm -hmm. Boston so I think at the beginning I was like feeling like oh I'm like maybe no one's gonna just like want to talk to me at the beginning because it's like I what do I what do I have to offer but then I started to realize first that a lot of more people than what you think of is gonna try to help you and we found we found that uh all along this, the, the way, like the Wapu story, that everywhere we go, we always find, if you are genuine enough and you're, as you said, like you're humble enough to like show the things that you don't know, there are a lot of things that you don't know, but also um, seeing yourself uh, as like, you, you always will have something to add to the conversation, like your uniqueness mm-hmm. and your you everybody has some superpower and some good thing that you can add to the conversation you can bring even even if you don't have like all the titles in the world or or, or whatever so i think that what you said it's uh, it's key as well like um, trusting in people like you 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 know that uh, at least in my experience you will always find people that want to guide you and mm-hmm. 
I found a lot of that here in Boston and we didn't know how to speak with investors. We didn't know. At the beginning, we didn't even know how to bring products from Ecuador to here. Uh, so just like by asking questions to, to people and just like, sometimes it's just like scary. Like the worst thing that can happen is that whenever you ask somebody a question that they just don't answer the email and you, you're good. So just like throwing the questions out there we realize people just like it's happy to help and if they can introduce like we got introduced to the customs agent that helped us uh, with all the permits and all that through another entrepreneur that was uh, bringing products from Ecuador to here so I think that what you said it, it's key and, and and I think for for us uh, I don't know how you feel about it but um, that also takes a little bit of the pressure of like you are not doing it yourself it's like mm-hmm. not uh, you, Lauren, against the world, or or me, Nico, against the world. It's just like you can build that community around whatever you are doing that is gonna help you along the along the way. So that's why I really love the, what you do with with Brandfood because that's where you see like this power of community and, and the power of like people trying to help other people. It's it's an amazing concept, and I, that's why I, I really love what you do at Brandfood. Well, thank you. And it's interesting. I think, you know, Boston to me, it it has a special kind of spirit to it. And I think that it has a lot to do with the academic institutions here. Um, That kind of spirit of learning and connecting and, you know, talking to people that can help, you know, you understand or support you and your goals kind of bleeds out into at least the startup ecosystem here. And so, you know, it's it's more horizontal than I think it's that it is vertical um, in terms of your ability to connect and and reach out and have people get back to you and and want to help you and 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 so I, I think that that's one of the most enjoyable things that I've discovered about living here. Um, I, I agree with you; it is a little bit siloed when it comes to you know the universities or you know where where you are at in your career and and the industry and the companies, but. I think in the startup realm, at the very least, no shortage of support, willingness to help, um, and people really wanting to spend their time, uh, you know, outside of their day job, um, you know, supporting others and, and getting excited about, you know, external projects. Everybody has a side hustle today. Um, and I think that there's a lot of people that, you know, maybe, maybe bored at their jobs or, you know, just want to get involved in an exciting, um, compelling opportunity that, are willing to lend their time and lend their support and um, uh, feedback as well. So, yeah, no, I I totally agree. And then um, one question that maybe uh, will we'll come up with any answer. If not, that's that's okay. Do you have any side hustle right now other than brand food, or brand food is taking over the hundred percent of your time? <laughs> well, my side hustle right now is making my current place an actual living space. I just moved into a new apartment. <laughs> so, so there's that, but I don't know. I, I've, um, uh, gone in and out of playing the piano over the years. So it may not be a side hustle, but it's certainly a hobby that I've, um, become more and less interested in and, you know, as a way to just sort of distract me. And, and I think, you know, very much connected to the inspiration for this podcast, um, in terms of, you know, how, how do we, how do we, um, find peace? How do we find tranquility in this, you know, crazy world? Um, that for me has been one of the helpful things over the years is just, 
music getting out of my head, getting into my fingers <laughs> and, um, you know, trying to distract myself from, from the, uh, ever present notifications and, um, emails and messages and things coming through my phone at, at all times. How often do you play the piano right now? So I'm, uh, 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 Well, I mean, these days I listen to piano music more than I actually play it myself. But um, but I am in the market for a used piano. So if anyone out there can uh, l let me know if you have one, I can take off your hands. I'd love to know it. But um, but no, I, I take lessons when I can. Um, I try to try to keep up with um, the ability to do that. But a lot of the universities locally actually have kind of open um, Uh, studios where you as a community member or or an alumni can go in and use the pianos. So I've been trying to do that as much as I can and um, yeah, nice. make time to be able to do it. I've, I've always come on and off of uh, learning how to play the guitar uh, throughout my life. I don't know why it has never really, like, it's like I go in periods of like three months, I get super into the guitar and then I just like stop, stop uh, playing it. But Uh, I whenever I am I am practicing and learning like new songs and whatnot, I really like how immersive it is to play an instrument. Uh, you mm. literally forget about everything else that's that's happening. Uh, like for the one hour or two hours where you're just like trying a new note or trying a new song. Uh, mm. For me, the time just like goes like that, and it's like oh my god, I've been like three hours playing the guitar that was. That was crazy. So yeah, I, I think it's uh, it's an amazing thing to get into. I I'm not sure how musical I I am, uh, but I just I just enjoy that, and I really enjoy doing karaoke. So <laughs> don't have amazing the best voice ever, but I just like love to just like getting the microphone and then just sing along the songs. Awesome. <laughs> well, I did not know that about you, Nico. We're going to have to um, uh, have a live performance someday. Oh, but uh, but no, it's it's a great uh, it's a great way to put it. I think playing instruments and music is so immersive and um, uh, and it's so good for your brain, too. It's so good to help uh, facilitate a lot of the, you know, neuroconnectivity and um, uh, help us access other parts of our brain that, you know, remember songs and um you know translate kind of that knowledge into actual physical you know playing of keys or playing of strings and um so it's it's something i've always enjoyed and um uh, wish i had more time to dedicate to it yeah and I, i think it's as as what you just said it's like this idea of like getting out of your head and for piano just like getting into your your fingers um in general i think whenever I am experiencing a lot of anxiety or a lot of stress. Uh, um, like just like running a company, it's always gonna come up with with these extra extra stress and extra anxiety. Whereas like when whenever things get hard and get challenging, I think what's helped me a lot whenever I'm feeling like this is finding something that gets me out of my head. And mm -hmm. in, in in this case, it's like literally getting out of your head and getting into your your fingers, but any practice that you can have that can literally kind of like shut down or like put a, put like a, a blinder in the in the anxiety and the, and all the thoughts that you are having. I've learned that that is that is super powerful to just like be able to keep up and be able to just like cope with all the with all the pressure that you that you are experiencing. 
Um, so I wanted to ask you, do you have any other practice um, or any other, um, it can be a hobby that you have that helps you to get out of your head uh, whenever you're experiencing just like a lot of stress or anxiety? Yeah, so I think physical activity for me is really helpful. I sit at my computer now all day long on back-to-back -back Zoom calls. And so just removing myself from this, you know, kind of virtual environment and going for long walks or doing yoga or just trying to be physical in some way, um, again, I think really helps me just get out of my head and like, you know, kind of engage other parts of my being. Um which to your point, I think redirects my attention and is helpful in just kind of dealing with, um, dealing with, and also putting in perspective, just, you know, the, the work of the day or the challenges of the day, or even the opportunities of the day, right? It's, you know, we can't always be focused on those things and you have to find other ways to circulate new types of energy in. Um, and for me, that's been, you know, a lot of, Uh, just physical activity and, and movement over the years in different ways. Yeah, I, I love that. And Lauren, um, that brings me to my to my next question, and is um, throughout your your life and throughout your career, what do you think has been one of the most challenging things that you faced? Uh, it can be a personal thing, or it can be something while building branch food and branch venture. Um, What comes to your mind whenever you think about a very challenging situation that you faced? Yeah, I think there's been there's been so many challenges over the years, you know, as there are with starting something new and, and trying to build something that doesn't exist. Um, I think that, you know, my inclination is to um, uh, keep changing, keep evolving, seeing an opportunity, pursuing an opportunity. And I think I've had to develop the discipline over the years of really kind of remaining focused, um, uh, kind of sticking to that one thing. Uh, you know, I've started now three different businesses, Branch Food, Branch Venture Group, and Food Edge. They're all, while all synergistic, they are very different businesses. You know, thankfully, they're all doing well. But I'm always highly conscious of that shiny object syndrome, um, not getting distracted, um, being very um, kind of clear about what I'm doing, where I want to go, what I want to build, um, and, and directing time and effort and resources to those things. So I think it's something I've had to learn over time. Um, I think I'm, you know, constantly working on it, constantly trying to improve. Um, but I think that focus is key in entrepreneurship and it's been something that, um, uh, has been a really big part of, of keeping me on track and, um, and making sure that, you know, I'm, I'm building something. I'm not just starting a lot of different things. Yeah. Well, that, that makes sense. That, that makes a lot of sense. And, uh, it's very easy. I think whenever you're an entrepreneur to get into that, like shiny object syndrome, I think I also have a little bit of that. Um, it happens to me more with like hobbies or new activities. Um, whenever I, I see like, on like I read about triathlons and I say like oh my god I want to start training for a triathlon or I want to start learning the guitar um, so I think uh, the most valuable things for me have been always the ones that I have stick with and having like the discipline to just like okay this is something that I don't want to just do for one month or a couple months but um, really being able to 
to stick with that. Um, what do you think can help you stay focused whenever you are uh, experiencing these thoughts of like just wanting to start a new thing or just wanting to start a new business? What What do you think has helped you staying focused on? Okay, I, I need to focus on building on building this this thing. I think it's having a strong sense of ultimately where I want to go and what I want to do um, and recognizing that, you know, maybe this really compelling opportunity that sprung up doesn't actually help me get there. Um, sometimes it may help you get there. Uh, and, you know, it could be a really just um, opportunistic thing that, you know, gets you closer to your goals. But ultimately having those, having a strong sense of, of, that kind of end goal and, and where you're going and, and where you really see opportunity, uh, I think can be a really helpful determinant of, of what you should give your time to and then what you shouldn't give your time to. Yeah, that's, that's great. Yeah, I agree. Um, awesome, Lauren. Thank you so much. I wanted to, to take uh, also a, a moment to also thank you for everything that you do with, with branch food. I think, um, it, What, what I said at the beginning, it's, it's real for Waku that the connections that we've made through Branch Food and through Branch Venture uh, were really pivotal for, for us as a company because I, I remember clearly whenever we were just starting a, a company and at the beginning it was literally me and Juan biking around Boston selling to every, every store that wanted to carry Waku at the beginning. Um, and we always remember that presentation that we had in front of the Angel Investment Group I remember, I think it was uh, the end of September of 2018. Mm -hmm. um, and for us, that presentation, I remember that we came in with coolers, with a cooler full of like cold waku to, to that presentation. I remember that the, all the investors were a bit sleepy from the, from the previous presentation because it was late in the day, I, I, mm -hmm. I think. But this is one of the memories that I have more, most clearly from, from the journey of, of waku. And just like going there, like having the opportunity to present the idea to all the investors. Um, and then we had like three, three of the investors uh, came in and were like Marsha, James and Marjorie, like were like pivotal for us having like the support of, of these great investors. Um, and I think that was like one of the most important stepping stones to like really turning that idea to the, to the next level and really having like a, a real a real company and in, in general that like being able to keep growing the company has allowed us to also create keep creating a lot of impact in Ecuador and uh, mm -hmm. keep building this company and I think that um, these connections that you make happen uh, extend like like a ripple effect in like all that the companies are doing like underneath so it's it's just that amazing the work that that you're doing so I wanted to just thank you and So it's just like keep keep doing what you're doing because you're you're killing it. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Nico. I very much appreciate that compliment. But um, it is our honor as well to work with companies like you, uh, well, companies like Waku and people like you and Juan. Um, you're true entrepreneurs through and through. Uh, you guys are super hustlers, and um, it's been an our honor to be able to participate in your story too. So thank you. Thank you, Lauren, for the kind words. So before I let you go, is there anything else you would like to share with the audience? Uh, any new project or what is, uh, what is in, in the plate for you right now? What, what has you excited right now? 
Yeah, so um, always last messages. Um, we are very excited to be working on an industry membership for Branch Food. Um, over the years, we've had a lot of folks very interested in our work up kind of the food supply chain, um, though we haven't always had a great product for them. And so we're working on a really exciting opportunity for um, uh, folks in the food industry, whether they be you know leaders of CPG companies, working on innovation within their company, working in R&D, um, to be able to interface with our startup community and our network of innovators. So um, more to come on that very soon. And, um, and yeah, if you're interested in the work of Branch Food, go to branchfood.com. Uh, if you're a startup raising funding or an investor in the space, go to branchventuregroup.com and definitely keep Food Edge, our annual conference, which will be happening in May 2022, uh, which you can learn more about at foodedge.co um, uh, as well um, on your radar. So uh, lots of different ways of staying in touch, get on our newsletters, and we look forward to hopefully meeting you all uh, in person one day when we can. <laughs> Awesome. Thank you so much, Jaren. And thank you so much for coming to this interview. Awesome. Thank you for having me, Nico. And best of luck with the rest of this program. Thank you so much. Bye. Have a great day. Bye. Hello, everyone. This is Nico again. And just a few more things before you take off. If you'd like to be part of the Waku tribe to be the first one to know about the launch of exclusive flavors, special promotions, and content about health and wellness, just go to livewaku.com. That's L-I-V-E-W-A-K-U dot com and sign up for our email list. And if you sign up, I hope you enjoy being part of our community.